You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Preppy Podcast. Today, I am so excited because I am talking with Anna of Redland Cotton. I have one of their cotton shirt dresses for a while now, and I just love how classic, preppy, and it just goes with everything, honestly. But what I love the absolute most is the fact that it's made in the USA. I know what it's made with. I know where it comes from, and it's supplying jobs to people here right on our own turf in the U.S. So we're going to talk all about her business, um, how it came to be, and even what's next for them. Uh, But before we dive into the interview, I want to share with you guys Docent. So you might have seen on my Instagram stories. Follow me at Preppy Publicist if you don't already. Um, I am redecorating our bedroom. So Dosen simplifies the experience of discovering new artists and collecting contemporary art. They find themselves at the intersection of helping emerging artists thrive while helping collectors shop more easily for pieces that they actually love. If you want conversations starting one-of-a-kind art, they're here to help you find it without any of the stuffiness that the art world's typically known for. Docent is different. With a roster of full of female artists, transparent prices that satisfy any budget, seriously, there's all sorts of price points, and zero intimidation, they believe everyone should be able to enjoy art in their home. Visit Shop Docent and follow Shop Docent on Instagram and TikTok. So that's shop, D-O-C-E-N-T dot com. And even better, if you use code PREPPY15, you can get 15% off, which I hear is one of their best discount codes yet. So that's shop, D-O-C-E-N-T dot com, shop, com. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Yeah, my name is Anna Brakefield, and I am the co-owner of Redland Cotton. Um, I live in North Alabama with my husband and our two kids, and we I started Redland Cotton with my dad in 2016, and what we do is we take the cotton we grow on our family farm. My dad's been farming since the early 80s. And we take that cotton and make it into bedding, bath towels, quilts, blankets. Um, And this year we added our own line of loungewear. um, And it's all made domestically in the United States from cotton grown on our farm. So it's a truly transparent supply chain. When you buy from us, you know the farmer that's growing it. And we try to take you inside the plants that make it. um, And you truly you know, know where your product is coming from. It's a very um, farm-to-table uh, concept, but with textiles. 
That is so cool. And I can't wait to chat more about your brand um, in just a little bit. But let's take it back to your childhood. Like, what was it like growing up on a farm? And um, were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Like, what was it like watching your father, um, you know, grow, for lack of a better word, this farm and this business? Yeah. You know, we had a lot of fun Um, for a long time. We... We lived in the middle, essentially, of a cotton field, <clears throat> of a cotton field, um, until I was about in the sixth grade. So, whenever my mom was sick of us, I'm the oldest of three. Uh, I have two younger brothers, <clears throat> and um, and she would just turn us outside, and I mean, we would play and dig ditches and just like get lost in the fields until it was time to, to come home. And that to me is just an invaluable childhood. And, you know, my, my kids live in the city. My, my husband is a pharmacist. Um, so we have a different kind of growing up experience for our kids, but there's something really valuable to just being able to be let loose and, yeah. To not worry about um, the safety of your children because you're just surrounded by acres of fields. Um, yeah. So that was really fun. And to your to your question about whether I was entrepreneurial, um, I, I would say yes. I remember um, getting our first desktop computer and learning how to do Word and Word art, and I made my first like magazine. And I had this concept that I was going to sell it. I was going to sell this magazine and I called it Anna Banana. And, um, I think it had one issue, but, (laughs) uh, you know, I mean, my dad worked really late hours. Um, a lot of the times we would go out in the field to see him and, um, my brother's farm with my dad now. And I, I see that carrying on for their family too. It's like, oh, you want to spend time with dad? Well, let's go out in the field. Maybe you can ride in the tractor with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's not something to be bitter about. I think that that teaches hard work and and dedication to to what you're passionate about. So I, I think that that is one thing that definitely could be said is while, while he wasn't home a ton, um, it definitely showed us as kids what was required to build something. Yeah. No, it sounds like you can learn so much, I think, from farming and business things that you wouldn't even think so, but there's so much that goes into it. Um, And even I talk about this a lot with some other fashion brands who are uh, more traditional in retail. And we're talking about, you know, it's not always what it seems. There's math that goes into that. There's so many things. There's so many lessons about hard work and um, supply chain and things like that, that you don't even realize. And I think that definitely applies um, to farming as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. So when it came time for college, where and what did you end up studying if you did? Yeah. So I fell in love with Auburn University and went there. And when I I started my freshman year as a double major in agriculture and fine art, because art was always my passion and my 
love um, going back to being entrepreneurial. Um, I, I was really into, this is kind of an odd thing for a high school kid to be into, but um, I was really into doing portrait work and starting like my freshman year in high school, I started taking commissions to do portrait work. And, um, and, and that's what I did on the weekends is I would do commission portrait work. Um, and that kind of built my portfolio and I wound up getting a, a, a small scholarship, uh, to Auburn with that. Um, but once I got into Auburn, um, and started taking my courses, I figured out agriculture was not what I wanted to, to do. I, I, I loved the art field, but then I was introduced to, uh, the field of graphic design and the way Auburn has their courses set up is the graphic design majors and the fine art majors all take their, um, the same intro load. And then you apply to, um, the school of graphic design. So I, uh, did my freshman courses with everybody else. And a lot of my friends were applying to graphic design. I was like, you know what, that sounds really fun and probably more lucrative than just getting a fine art degree. So that is what I did. And I had no intentions of coming back to the farm. I did not want to be here until <laughs> I wanted to live in New York. So um, after I graduated from Auburn, I moved to New York City and I worked at an advertising firm there for a couple of years um, until my now husband and I uh, got engaged and I moved to Nashville. Um, but, but my goal was, <laughs> was never to um, necessarily come back to the farm or be part of it. Um, I kind of wanted to do something bigger um, and more arts oriented. And as life would have it, this kind of came full circle for me and an opportunity to do this with my family. Um, but, you know, it was never it was never my intent. Okay. I, first of all, I love that, you know, as at a young age, you recognized that you had a talent for art and also an interest. And it sounds like you were entrepreneurial with that and that you were taking commissions even just in high school to do portraits. Uh, so I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have always, I think, been motivated to to be self-sustaining um, and not necessarily, I do not want to be reliant on anybody. Um, and so that was, that was very motivating for me that I could have my own bank account, that I could have my own expendable funds, that I could have my own savings and a way to get there. I mean, I worked real jobs in yeah. high school too, but um, <laughs> that has all, I, and I worked them through college as well. Yeah. Um, but that was always very important to me that I would be able to, if, if I needed to, to stand on my own two feet by whatever means I had to. Yeah. You had something for yourself too. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think that should be important to every single female, mm -hmm. um, Certainly. to, to be self-sustaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
Okay, you were in advertising then, you lived in New York, you lived in Nashville. Then what made you decide to join the family business and go back there? Like, what was that moment like? And when did you realize, was it a need or was it, you know, you recognized an opportunity? Can you tell me about that journey back home? Yeah, so I mentioned when my husband and I got, um, when we got engaged, mm-hmm. we, um, we moved to Nashville. Nashville was going to be our compromise city. We didn't want to necessarily uh, raise a family um, because we, we knew we wanted kids. We didn't want to raise a family in New York. So um, Nashville was going to be our compromise. And he started his um, residency and I was working in their advertising field there. And I think it's gotten a ton better than uh, it, it was in 2014. Um in 2015, but I just, I was not fulfilled. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done to my career? I'm just so depressed. Um, and, you know, I think my dad saw that and kind of capitalized on that. <laughs> and, um, and he has always had extreme frustrations about uh, the cotton markets and just selling his cotton crop as a commodity and, seeing that low price per pound and then watching it get shipped overseas, milled for cheap labor and then being brought to the United States and selling it for a ridiculous markup. So that was his motivating factor to try to diversify his farm and make a direct to consumer good. Um, And he kind of approached me with that idea. And like I said, I was really unchallenged and, bored and and ready for something different and you know I mean it was very hard like I said my husband was in his residency and um and we were newly married uh but I decided to quit my job in March of 2016 and create Redland Cotton and and that's what I did. And it was definitely challenging. Um, but I'm glad that life took that turn for me, you know? Definitely. So at this point, when you decided to to go back home then um, to the farm, what was the business? It was just a cotton farm, but you weren't producing your own right. um, products, essentially. You were shipping the... Um, the the not fabric um, just the raw cotton the, cod, the raw cotton mm-hmm. thank you right, so my dad's my dad's farm he farms about five thousand acres both of my brothers farm with him now um, and we do cotton corn and cattle and just like almost every farmer um, he sells his his crops on the commodities market to the highest bidder. And, um, and that's just how it was, um, for as long as he's been farming. And this was definitely an opportunity, but also a risk. I mean, we have, we have funded this entire thing, uh, by ourselves. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a little, uh, capital intensive and, sweat intensive. Um, 
but it, it was it was a leap of faith that I think worked out. But neither of us had any experience in running an e-commerce business or a manufacturing business or anything like that. Um, it was just a, a farm. Yeah. So tell me about that. Some of those steps to to launching your e-commerce site and to creating your own product. Like, what was the first products that you launched with? Yeah, we. So our first, <laughs> um, our our first product that we made were sheet sets, and the thinking there um, was, what would consume the most cotton? Oh, it would be a wide good like a bed sheet. And yeah, that does consume a lot of cotton. But unfortunately, the supply chain that is required to create a good like that is very minimal in the United States. A lot of that wide good manufacturing has gone overseas. Um, So our first step was looking at the the cotton qualities that we had, identifying, um, you know, with the staple length that we have with the strength. Um, color, micronair, all of that. Um, What could we make with our cotton? And once we became confident that we could make quality bedding product, we set out to create that supply chain. And we went all over the Carolinas and Georgia meeting with vendors um, and kind of asking them to take a chance on us because that would require them to remove a loom from whatever production it was on and dedicate that, that to us. And our first production run um, was 20,000 yards of fabric. And uh, to put that in perspective now, um, I think uh, we've sold 150,000 uh, yards worth of fabric this year. But um, so 20,000 yards, um, there's about seven yards of fabric in a sheet set. So, I mean, that's quite, that's quite an investment to say, you know, this is, this is an experiment. Um, but, but this is the, this is the intro to it, you know? Um, but by October of 2016, we had our first product and literally I, I made a Squarespace site. I didn't know anything about Shopify at the time. (laughs) I made a Squarespace, a Squarespace site and I made drawings of our bed sheets, like charcoal drawings. Wow. And I pre-sold our sheet sets based off of charcoal drawings on our website. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, like just insanity. And, but people <laughs> bought it. Um, <laughs> by the time um, we had our first production run of sheet sets, I think I had maybe 250 pre-orders. Wow. That's that's impressive though. Off of drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, And it was so funny. Um, So we we got our our first production run in and we were running this out of a small side office of my dad's um, gin office. Um, And me and my mom and my sister-in-law got in there and we packed up those 200 some orders and, um, and started shipping them to our customers. And I mean, we've grown and evolved, uh, pretty quickly, really. Um, so now we offer duvet covers and shams and quilts and blankets and towels. Um, and every one of those new things 
has a different supply chain and we kind of repeat the process. Um, I've gotten a little bit more savvy. We, <laughs> we run a Shopify site now. Um, I get a sample production early so I can get professional photography and, um, and do all the appropriate things. But, um, that was, that was the setup for our initial launch. That is super impressive. And honestly, I'm impressed with the amount that you sold just based on sketches and not having had necessarily a brand that people even knew of before. Um, So let's talk a little bit about Redland Cotton today. Like, what makes it so special? And sort of what's the variety of products that you have on your site and offer these days? Yeah. So truly what I think makes us unique is that we are the only single family uh, cotton farm that is taking a product and delivering it direct to our customer. Um, So, you know, we've gotten a lot of offers to wholesale and, um, and do things like that. But I absolutely love owning that customer experience because to me, there is such a disconnect out there with where our products come from. And I know that that's talked about a lot in the food space. You know, do you know where your food comes from? But let's talk about like, where do your textiles come from? There's, there's so much abuse. And my dad will say this often in, in the cotton and textile industry, someone is always, always getting screwed. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we could talk about early slave labor abuses. We could talk about um, the human rights violations that are happening in China at the moment um, in that Xinjiang province where a ton of their cotton is manufactured. Um, You know, textiles is kind of a dirty business. And what I think is at the core of what I'm trying to do is shine a light on how we can do it better here. Um, and, and give more awareness to how things are made. You know, I think a lot of people get sticker shock when they go to our website and see the price of our products, which, um, you know, about $200 for a set of sheets and, and yes, ours is very unique. You know, we are taking our cotton and milling it. It's about a six month process from the time that we pick it from the field to, it being made into a product, you know, that's a, that's a long time. And so it's very custom. Um, but even beyond that, you know, we are, we are making our products here. We are paying well over minimum wage for our own employees at our plants. Um, and we visit every plant that our products are being made in and we try to, you know, bring our iPhones in there and take video and pictures and, and share the story of what it takes to manufacture a product in America. And so not only do I think we have a a great product, um, but we also have a very transparent and um, honest story behind it. And that to me is, is what I hear from customers that come in um, or call or write or leave reviews, you know, um, I love the product and I'm so, I'm so happy to support this company. Um, I think that is the true thing that set, sets us apart. 
Definitely. I love how, A, you're providing jobs here for people. Um, and it, it's so true. We talk about the transparency and what we eat, or even I feel like with cosmetics these days, that's been sort of popular as well. Um, but we rarely talk about it with clothing. So I love that you guys are transparent about, you know, where the materials are coming from, how they're being made, um, and you're able to do that and confidently do so. Um so congrats on that. And, you know, I just think that's amazing that you guys are providing, as you call it, farm to the home, which I love that little saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's so it's so true. And I hope it is somewhat provocative of a conversation to think about for people, even if they don't buy the product, like just think about it. Yeah. So I know it's a family business still. Um, so tell me about, you know, everyone's role as it is today. Like what what's your day-to-day like? What are um, some of your other family members' roles in the business and what do they do? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, my I have two younger brothers and they are now partners with my dad in, in the farm. Um, my dad and I are the sole uh, owners of Redland Cotton and the farm and Redland Cotton operate independently. Um, so essentially Redland Cotton buys the cotton from Redland Farms. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a roundabout uh, thing, but it, it, it works out to the best of both individual businesses. Um, my Mom is up here frequently. Um, she's going to help us set up um, our Christmas in our showroom today. Um, but between my brothers and myself, there are three grandchildren now um, with another one on the way. So she's also very busy with that. Um, my sister-in-law works with me. She is our warehouse manager. Um, so it really is just a big old family business. And sometimes that can be pretty interesting and humorous and everything else. But at the end of the day, it really is a a benefit to work with your family. And for the most part, they'll drop whatever they're doing to help you out um, if you need that help. So that is a true advantage. I love how, you know, it's a family affair, even with my business, you know, my mom helps me with some of the bookkeeping. And I feel like if I have a big client event, my dad is always the muscles and <laughs> yes. bringing things in his truck for me. Um, so I, I so admire that as well. Um, now, what would you say is the hardest part for you when it comes to Redley and Cotton and owning a business and running a business? What's the hard part? You know, and it almost depends on the year. I will say, um, since 2020, it has been, (laughs) it has been a unique challenge every year, um, from supply chain issues to, and I would, I would say for, for us, that is truly the hardest part. Um, because as I explained, um, it's about a six month process to take this stuff from the field to an end product Um, and managing that, managing our customer expectations, trying to introduce new products. um, It's, it's pretty, it's pretty complicated and, uh, and can be very frustrating, but I don't think that I'm the only one that feels that way. And even, um, even, 
friends that I know um, who manufacture products overseas, like the supply chain um, and, and product issues, um, like that's just a new normal, I think, for us right now. Um, and, but I think it's the hardest part. Um, yep. And I think that you're not alone in that. You know, I think that no. so many businesses these days, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just, it is somewhat of a new normal. And um, I think we're just learning to adapt and, and grow with it. And, you know, as a consumer myself, I, I'm kind of having to retrain my expectations. Um, so a little bit of a give and take there. Yeah. <laughs> now on the flip side of that, then obviously, what's your favorite part? What's the best part? What makes you the happiest about your business and Redley and Cotton when it comes to that? Oh my goodness. Um, seeing new products come to life is, is wonderful. Um, you know, I mentioned my, my love is in art and communication art and, um, putting together new campaigns and, um, figuring out different ways to tell our story, tell other people's stories. Um, that, that is my favorite part. Um, you know, I, I couldn't be happier when I'm out there creating. Um, and so, and I guess that, you know, that is the exact contrast to sitting at my computer and um, having frustrating conversations with uh, freight companies or different manufacturers about something that's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, that that is the most challenging and the marketing and communication side is the most fun. Um and just balancing that that out is is what I have to do. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of products, then what would you say um, is your personal favorite product that's on your website today? Yes, I. Um, so I love our sheets. Our sheets are our core product, bestsellers. Um, that that is our bread and butter, and I love them. Um, but my favorite, favorite, favorite product is our quilts. Um, I can't say enough about them. I love them so much. I think that they are the perfect weight. You can wash them in your, uh, in your washer, dry them in your dryer. Um, they're just good. And they, they remind me of my grandmother's quilts. And um, with, with everything that we make, we try to kind of think back to what was a good quality product? Um, and what I like to say is heirloom quality, something that will last. Um, and I think our quilts definitely fit that bill. Um, and that is, that's why they're my favorite. Yep. I have to check out the quilts then. Oh, I so good. personally, I have one of your little shirt dresses that I love. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's so chic, it's so classic and a little preppy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of, I like to wear them to the beach. Um, they're a good little versatile dress. Definitely. What would you say is the best seller on your website? Is it the sheets still to this day, would you think? It is. Um, okay. They are kind of our gateway uh, product. Um, when I run my marketing and my advertising, it's primarily if you're a first-time customer, um, I'm directing you to our sheets. And then you know, from there you come back and buy the quilt or the towels or, um, the loungewear or, um, any of our other products, but 
it's definitely a good um, entryway experience through our our sheets. I love that. I'm going to need a pair of the sheets soon. We just got a new bed, so that's on my list next. (laughs) We need to hook you up. Definitely. Um, And so you were just talking a little bit about marketing. So what's your best form of marketing? Is it still, you know, social media or is it something else these days? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's so funny in 2019 and 2020, I would have said social media all day long, um, was getting such a great return on my ad spend there. And after the iOS changes and, um, just some different things that happened. Um, it just became not as productive and, and don't get me wrong. I still spend a good bit with social media as far as retargeting, but when it comes to my, what I'll call cold traffic, um, on my top of funnel, we are actually spending on TV and radio. Um, pretty heavily to drive that top of funnel sale. Um, and then relying on social media and search campaigns and all of that to kind of either finalize the sale or, um, bring the customer back for a second look. Um, and I will, I will still continue to, to work on my social media campaigns and, I'm definitely not abandoning that because I think it just, it makes sense that you're right there. You're on your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, But that cold traffic experience on social is, is getting a little few and far between right now and pretty expensive. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're kind of leaning a little bit more into traditional media Um, and it's working for us, but I will say this, that our, our, customer base is a little older. Um, so that, that probably has a little bit more to do with it too. That's so interesting. Cause I do feel like a lot of people that I interview on this podcast, a lot of them still say, um, social media influencers, all of that. So I like that mm-hmm. you mentioned something different with the TV and radio. I think a lot of people forget about those traditional forums, but there's still value in it. I mean, uh, my husband's watching football all the time and I feel like we're seeing commercials of random things on there or <laughs> we're um, listening to, I listen to the radio, which is, I feel like some people think that's old school. Like when I'm not listening to podcasts, I don't have, I don't have serious or anything like that. Like I'm listening to actual radio these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, and there are still people that are consuming those traditional forms of media. And, you know, I'm, not old by any, um, you know, traditional look at it. And I still, you know, consume those. So I I like how you said that. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's in, in all these things, right. It's really knowing your customer and finding a really targeted way to approach them. And with the spins that we have, they are, they're very targeted. And, um, so we're not just like spending willy nilly on radio and TV. It's like, very dialed in. Like yeah. we, we know this customer the the person watching is or listening is very likely a customer. Yeah. Um, and I we, think people forget about that. Like you think with social media, you can target it so much. And I feel like you used to be able to now it's a little iffy these days, but yeah. with traditional form of media, you like 
can get down to the city or the the town and all of that, I think, you know, maybe even much more accurately today than with social media. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that that's important, whether you're, you know, going hard on social media or, uh, or traditional or influencers, or whatever, um, targeting, knowing your niche. I mean, if you're just marketing to somebody who's not going to buy your product, that's wasted, wasted funds. Definitely. So since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So how would you describe Preppy? I would describe um, Preppy as put together, Um, you know, organized and polished. That to me is the best description of it. And it's something that I... I strive to be, and I feel like every day I kind of fail at it as I'm running out of the house and like grabbing bags. Um, but that is, that's what that word means to me. I think that's a great answer. Um, and one that I often hear. So I like that. (laughs) Now, what would you say is, um, the last thing you read or something you'd recommend others check out it could be something you know fun and fluffy or more on the business side yeah so and I listen to a lot of podcasts but um a book that my husband uh, gave me and I'm slowly making my way through it is Alex Hermosi's million dollar ideas um I want to say that's correct and I hope I'm not saying that wrong um he also has a podcast um but it's very business development driven, um, with a side of marketing. Um, and it's, it's very good and I'm making my way through it. Um, and another just, I mean, podcast that I listen to all the time is the smart marketer podcast and perpetual traffic. I think they have, um, really relevant and good content 99% of the time. No, I love that. I'm going to check that book out for sure. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Definitely. It sounds like it. Now, um, what is next for you guys? Is there a product you're working on developing or, um, you know, something fun with Redland Con that you can share a little sneak peek of? Yeah, we have a lot of really fun things in the works. Um, but we're going to be expanding a little bit more um, into some apparel next year. Um, we've got some collaborations in the works to introduce some more prints, um, in loungewear as well as bedding. Um, so I think that's going to be really fun. And then we also have, um, some cool collaborations, uh, that are in the works. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun things to be, to be done and worked on in, in 2023. But I think I'm just surviving the holidays right now. <laughs> I'm so excited for prints. I'm a print girl, so I cannot wait to see these. Yes, especially floral prints. Ooh. Yes, it's it's going to be lovely. I'm really excited. That's so exciting. Now, my last question is, where can people um, follow Redland Cotton and go on your website and shop? Can you let everyone know the URL and social media handles? Yes. So, <clears throat> sorry. Um, you can shop with us anytime at redlandcotton.com and you can find us on 
every social media channel and the handle is always at red land cotton. Um, no underscores or spaces. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, but, um, we would love to have you. Great. Well, this has been so fun, Anna, learning more about you and your business. Um, and I can't wait for all the fun things that are on the horizon for you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 